Good morning. I'd like to welcome you to the adult class of Abundant Life Baptist Church, our Sunday school. Uh, we're studying chapter 2 in our second volume of The Miracles of Jesus by uh, Dr. Clarence Sexton. And this one is entitled Walking on the Water. You know, I've said before uh, a lot of times that uh, Dr. Sexton entitles his uh, classes uh, to get you to think, but this one's pretty straightforward. Any, uh, any uh, child of God who has a little bit of knowledge of the Bible knows what walking on the water was. Brother Ronnie Phillips, would you open us up in a word of prayer, please? Amen. Walking on the water. Dr. Sexton says, we do not hear it often today, but when I was growing up and people wanted to brag on someone to exaggerate what that person could do, they would say, some people think he can walk on water. You know, uh, I remember when I was working at Walmart, uh, my boss, he got all the guys around. He said, guys, come here, man. I'm going to show you something. He said, Joe made a mistake. He said, look at this. He, and, and I did. I asked the fellow if all the tires on his car were the same size, and he said, yes. Well, two on the passenger side were not what should have been. And I said, well, Jimmy, I'll tell you what you do. I said, there was a little kiddie pool they were selling. I said, take that and fill it with water, and I'll guarantee you I can't walk on it. So that's a, a little aside that walking on the water People think, uh, well, he can do anything. Well, nobody can walk on water except Jesus. And Peter, through the operation of Jesus' will, he said, come when Peter asked him, if it's you, Lord. Now, you know there was a measure of faith there. But our Lord told Peter, said, you have little faith. you got to remember the other guys were still in the boat. So Peter had little faith, but what did those guys have? No, nobody, there wasn't any me too uh, yells there. No, no, Peter, you go ahead and try it, buddy. So we need to understand that, yes, Peter didn't have little, the Lord said he had little faith because he, he looked at the wind and waves, took his eyes off of him and began to sink. Dr. Sexton, we're going to consider the miracle of Christ walking on the water. The Bible says in John 6, 15 through 21, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again unto a mountain uh, himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them, and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, 
and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the day. We thank you for your love, and we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the son that came and died for us. We just pray that as we study these things that he did while he walked on the earth, these miracles that you would help us to get from those things that, that we need to, 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 to glean from them, Father. We just pray that you would go with us and forgive us when we do sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dr. Sexton says, in this passage, there are several things brought to our attention, but let us take the time to examine the same account in other gospel records. In the fourth chapter of Matthew, there are some things this writer, led by the Spirit of God, brings to our attention that we do not find in either of the accounts of Mark and John. That's not unusual. You know, God inspired each man to write, but he let that man's personality come through, too. It wasn't like he was a zombie just being controlled. He let his personality come through. He inspired uh, the words. So he says, the Bible says in Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus, reached, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Dr. Sexton says, Now notice also the account that's found in Mark 6. 45 through 52. And straightway, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida. While he sent away the people, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. And about the fourth watch of the night he come, cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And we, he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, 
and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. That sounds a little strange, doesn't it? They considered not the miracles of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. We would think that his disciples were, were very much in tune with him by this time, but, but I think that speaks to the fact that, you know, we are people and we forget. You know, they saw him turn the water into wine. They saw him uh, calm the seas. They saw him raise Jairus' daughter. They saw all these things. And yet, they still have not grasped just what he is and who he, what he can do. Uh, they, they, they say, he's, yeah, you're the son of God. We're going to find out later that they, they still have doubt in their hearts. They all ran when he was taken uh, to, be, to be crucified, except John. John followed at a distance, and then he, uh, he uh, was at the foot of the cross. But everybody else was gone. Dr. Sexton says, notice what the Bible says in verse 52, and this is, uh, this is in the account found in Mark 6. He says, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Dr. Sexton said, I would like to begin with, the fifth, with this 52nd verse in Mark chapter 6, where the Lord gives this footnote to this amazing miracle. And that footnote is their hearts were hardened. They needed the miracle worker. They needed more than that miracle. They needed Jesus. It's one thing to desire what Christ can do. It is an entirely different thing to desire Christ. It is so easy to spend time desiring what Christ can do or what he can give us. It is a great place in life when we get to the Lord absolutely empty and we say, God, I just know I need you. You know, I, I remember uh, Dr. Guy Goodell said that, he said, it's easy for us to, to follow Christ when things are going good. It's easy when we pray and our prayers are answered. What do we do? And Jesus says, I'm not going to answer this prayer in the way you want. Even though I'm not going to do this, are you still going to love me? Do you still need me? So we need to, we need to, God sometimes tells us no. And sometimes the reason we don't understand what the reason is, we just know that he has his reasons and we know Romans 8.28 says everything that happens to us, God is going to bring that about for our good. Everything that happens to us. We, we may not like it. We may not understand it. But the Bible tells us that so we can take that to heart. We know that it's true. Dr. Sexton said, this is a rather strange statement God makes at the end of the story. In verse 52 of the account given in Mark chapter 6, the Bible says, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, that, that last, the feeding of the 5,000, that, that was gone. They didn't consider that, that he, he could do that. Well, you could do that, you could do, but, but we never knew you could walk on water. We didn't know that. You know, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably harder to raise someone from the dead than it would be to walk on water. There may be a way, you know, you can, I mean, we can't do it supernaturally, but there are people who, who have uh, uh, devices now that they can walk on top of the water that buoys them up. 
It's not through the power of God. It's the power of an invention. Nobody's ever invented a way to bring someone back from the dead. And they're not going to. Man is never going to uh, control death. Man's never going to control that. Uh, God controls that. He said the disciples had just seen Christ feed 5,000 people. They had just had 12 baskets of food left over, one for each of them. That did not sustain them. You remember they said, well, Lord, we don't have enough. Even if we had, there would only be enough that one could have a little bit. See, that was their thinking. That was, even if we took what we had, there could just be a little well, that's when we, when we use our thinking and our reasoning and we don't trust the Lord, that's what we get, a little. I think it was. I think they all thought, How is it? we can't, we just don't have, the, we don't have the money. If we spent everything we had, they could just be a little drop for everyone. See, Jesus knew what he was going to do. Jesus is not constrained by the things that constrain us. See, uh, sometimes our problem is we just don't trust him. You know, I forgot who it was. Uh, someone said, I've tried and I've tried and I just can't live this life. And he said, well, you need to stop trying and start trusting. He said, no one can live this life apart from Christ. No one can. You know, we always, we're going to sin but we can go to the one who can take that away. See, that's the thing. We, we just need to understand that, that we're not going to be perfect. We're not. But that, that's okay. The Lord knows who we are. I, I forgot who it was said at first. He knows I'm dust. He knows who I am. You know, I, I've never let the Lord down. Never. Because... To let someone down, they have to have a conception of you that is not so. Well, God knows what I am. He knows who I am. He knows I'm going to fall. Yeah, he knows our names. That's right. He knows our name. You know, the old, what was the old, the old movie? The guy said, I got your badge number. Talking to the police number. I got their badge number. Well, he's got, God's got our badge number. He knows every one of us. He knows our thoughts. You know, we can't, we can't let him down. We can displease him, but we can't let him down. Uh, I think uh, uh, Skater and Roger said one time, he said, you know, if you please God, it doesn't make any difference who you displease. He said, and if you displease God, it doesn't make any difference who you please because you've, you've, you've messed up. That doesn't mean we don't need to try to get along because if you're not trying to get along with your fellow man, you are displeasing God. We're to, to, to show forth the love of Jesus Christ to all people, to all people. Dr. Seckles says, if you're living on some past experience, you're not living a victorious Christian life. We must trust God each day as if that were the only day we ever had to live the Christian life. There are things that build our faith, things that encourage us. There are things we remember that God did for us, but there is no victory in the Christian life living on past victories. We need the fresh touch of God daily. Remember when Paul said, 
he left everything behind. And when he meant everything, he meant the failures in his own life, uh, the, the uh, persecutions of the church, the people he had sent to die for the cause of Christ. And he also left behind the victories through Christ that he had. Those were, those were past. He looked to the future. We all need to look to the future. And if you're going to look to the future, we need to look to the one who controls the future. Simple as that. In the record uh, given in the gospel according to John, we cast just a brief glimpse of Christ in the introduction of this miracle as the people wanted to make him a king. This is not what he wanted. He did not want to be declared king because he met the physical needs of hungry people. Can you imagine them say, boy, if he was king, we'd never go hungry. He could make, that wasn't, feeding, feeding their physical uh, bodies was not what he was about. He fed them and he did that to show that there was, here was a man who could, who could affect things in a way no one else could. They didn't have enough to feed them. He made it enough to feed them. So he was, he was all about their, their spiritual well-being. He, he came to see that uh, they stayed out of hell. That was what he gave us, uh, came to do. He gave us an opportunity not to have to go to hell. He withdrew himself from the multitudes and departed again unto a mountain himself alone. There he was in prayer in the high mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Then the night fell. And with the falling of the night, I'm told that it's not uncommon for, for winds to, to rise up on that body of water and, and to come up quickly. You know, that's not uncommon on any body of water, really. Uh, that's why so many people get in trouble off the coast of Florida and off the coast. They get out on a bright, sunshiny day, and boy, 40 minutes later, they're in a storm. It, it doesn't take the wind long to come across water because there's nothing to impede it. So these fellows were fishermen. They'd been out on, in storms before. Uh, I think that's the reason they knew, what it, they knew what trouble they were in. They rode and they rode and they rode and they were still in the middle of the sea. So the Word of God says the disciples were in a ship crossing the sea. When a storm came, the Bible says that Christ had constrained them to get into the ship. Constrained is a powerful word. There was no room for debate when they heard him speak about what they were to do. He didn't, he didn't say, boys, it would be a good idea if you went over to the other side. He said, get in the ship and go to the other side. And then he went into the mountain to pray. He said, Dr. Sexton says, as the disciples got in the boat and started the other side, the wind suddenly became contrary, working against them. You know, when you're when you're on a ship by sail, I'm by, by no means a sailor, but when the wind's contrary, the wind doesn't really help you. You notice most people with sailboats, when the wind starts up like that, they put the sails down so it doesn't toss them, turn them. You know, it was in the night. They probably didn't know if it was so so stormy. They couldn't see the stars. They didn't know which direction they were going in by that time. But they knew they were in trouble. As the disciples got in that boat and went to the other side, now the, the wind became contrary. The sails, as we said, were, they couldn't use it. Rowing was impossible. They rowed and they rowed and they rowed and they still didn't get anywhere. 
they were in the midst of a terrible storm. Dr. Sexton says, We find by comparing the gospel records that Christ did not come to their need until the fourth watch of the night. Now, one record says that he was on the shore. He could see what was happening. Of course he could see what was happening. That's why he sent them out there. Uh, they needed to understand a little more. You know, he, he brought them along. You know, notice that, you know, they, they had enough to believe with the first miracle, but they didn't believe fully. And he kept bringing them along. It was almost like, well, we knew you could do that, but we didn't know you could do this. And so uh, he, he just kept bringing them along, showing them who he was. You know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, these people lived with him. They ate with him. They spent their time with him, saw what he could do, and still, I mean, and these were these were pretty good fellas. These weren't Pharisees that were uh, that were just naturally against him. These were fellows who wanted to follow him, and yet they he still brought them along, and because of the hardness of their hearts. Doctor Sexton said, "Can you imagine how long they've been rowing in that storm?" Yeah, it was like, it says the Bible said they had rowed about 25 or 30 furlongs, which is estimated to be about half the distance across the sea. Well, and they continued to row and continued to row, and they were still half the distance. They weren't making any headway. Now, they were experienced sailors. They, they, they knew their way around the boat. They knew, they knew uh, what they were doing. They'd been on that sea countless times. But they were in fear of their lives. They were in the very heart of the sea with the waves rolling and the wind blowing. They were terribly frightened in their thinking. You know, Jesus, to them, he's back on shore. He's not going to be able to help them. Well, Jesus could have stood from the shore and said, be still, and it would have stilled. But... He was showing them again who he was um, to, to, to know uh, who he was. Now, why did God allow this? Did he not care about them? Of course, we know he did. Was he not able to do what needed to be done? Of course, we know that. But, you know, had, had Jesus stood on the shore and said, be still, well, they, boy, whew, that was lucky. It quit. You know, sometimes we think, oh, boy, that was close. Man, that was sure lucky. I've told you before, I don't believe in luck. I believe in the providence of God. I believe in that, not luck. If you trust in luck, you're, you're, really, you're, you're really treading thin ice. Um, you know, Jesus was going to affect things in a positive way, but he was going to do it in his own good time. You know, too many times we, as Christians, oh, Lord, I need this. Oh, I need it right now. I need it yesterday. First thing I'd ask is, did you pray yesterday? So why did God allow this? He, he cared about them. But you know, 
he says, faith must be exercised not just to believe that God is going to do something, but to wait on him to do it. See, to many, many times we, we think, well, Lord, why don't you do this now? Well, it's not the right time. Why didn't he go to the cross two years before? It wasn't the right time. But when it was the right time, it said that, that the time had arrived. That, that was, it was the time. God's time. God doesn't do anything capriciously. He doesn't do it. Well, yeah, better jump in there and get it done right now. This looks like a good time. He doesn't work like that. When God does things, it's exactly on time. You know, when Jesus was four days late getting to Lazarus, he was, as the song says, he was right on time. Because that, was, that came for the glory of God, not for the death of Lazarus. Dr. Sexton says, yeah, it's hard for us to wait. It's hard for us to, we, 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 we want things now. You know, what's the old saying? Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. Yeah. I've, I've learned don't pray for patience. Dr. Sexton says, we're not going to live life without storms. There's no painless way to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, there is pain going to come into your life. It might be, uh, it might be physical pain. It might be verbal. It might be mental. That you, you, because there's always someone willing to look down on you for following this fellow from 2,000 plus years ago. See, they think, well, look how much time's gone by. This is that's a fable. People said, oh, he's not, he's not coming back. There, there's no signs of him coming back. You know, that's a sign of him coming back himself. Scoffing and doubting is a sign. He says, yeah, they're going to say, well, show us the signs of his coming. Everything's happened from the beginning. Oh, well, they forgot the flood. They forgot the flood. No, everything hadn't just happened from the beginning and, and kept on. They forgot about that. The word of God says in Isaiah 30, 18, Isaiah 30, verse 18, And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. God knows when the timing is perfect. He knows in what watch of the night to come. Jesus waited until they were without hope. He was their hope. Not every storm comes to us because of some sin we've committed. Many times they're suffering because of the sin of others. You know, uh, Job was uh, in the Bible, his friends, his so-called friends, he didn't have very good friends. He had a lot of acquaintances. But, you know, well, what have you done, Job? You know, it has to be some sin. You've, we have trials that sometimes are not from sin. Uh, sometimes it's just from we get... We get away sometimes. We we start. We live our lives, and we we kind of keep moving God to the side. And before we know it, He's not on the side. He's on the back burner. Sometimes God says, "Listen, you need to, you need to remember to put Me first. So what did Jesus say in Revelation to some of the churches? You've left your first love. You're doing things, and you're doing not. You're doing good things." You're, you're doing the work of the Lord, but you've kind of forgot the Lord of the work. We need to understand. We need to remember that. We need to always depend on Him. 
we can't make it without depending on him. So when the storm comes to these disciples, Christ had constrained them. He had told them to get onto the boat and he had told them they were going to the other side. They were not going to perish in the midst of the sea. You know, when Jesus said uh, when he was asleep on the boat one time, he said, let us go to the other side. He didn't say let us attempt to go to the other side. He said, let us go. They should have known that he was going to get them to the other side. But they didn't. In the midst of the storm, the Savior came. He chose that time to come, and it was exactly what they needed. The Bible said they rode, and no doubt they were rowed, and they rode, and they rode, and they weren't. In the fourth watch of the night, which is early in the morning, the peril increased because of the darkness. They couldn't see him. They couldn't see which way they were going. They didn't know whether they were rowing correctly at, at that time then. On another occasion in Scripture, Christ was on the boat in a storm, and they woke him. He rose and spoke to the sea and calmed the angry waves. However, this time, he wasn't in sight. Well, you know, uh, at that point, they woke him and said, Master, we perish. Not just, and he, they weren't saying, we're going to die. They said, we're all going to die. You too. They, they're, they're fa they'd, seen what he, they'd seen things he could do. But they were, when he calmed the storm, they were really, they, but he was with them. He was nowhere around they, that they could see. He, wa he wasn't anywhere in sight this time. And so they were, they were very, very frightened. Even though they couldn't see Jesus, guess what? He could see them. He knew exactly where they were, and he knew they, they were in his care, and that none of them were going to die. He knew every emotion they felt. Dr. Sexton says he knew every fear that filled their minds. He knew every wave that rolled against the boat. He knew that boat wasn't going to capsize. He knows, knew it wasn't going to founder. He knew every wind that blew against him, and he saw it all. In the fourth watch of the night, sometime between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning, can you imagine getting in a boat and it's daylight and you rode and you rode and you're not anywhere and it's three or three, between three and six in the morning. I can see why they would be, uh, be very, very weary and very uh, fearful. Christ went walking on the sea toward them. Can you imagine how fearful and how exhausted they were? They'd been up all on the sea all night. Then came Jesus walking on the water. And said, he made as if he would pass by them. They shouted, Lord, we need you. The Lord Jesus came tenderly. They thought he was a ghost. It was a spirit. But he says, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. You know, anytime God deals with men, even his angels, the first thing they say is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah, that, this might be, you know, not very many of us ever get to see an angel, or at least that we know. He says, don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid. Peter got out of the boat. And he said, Lord, if, 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 if it's you, <laughs> if it's you, 
Now, I'm, I don't, I, that's, I'm a little puzzled by that. If it's you, well, what if it wasn't? But I think, he, I think he had enough faith that he knew it was Jesus. Maybe even recognized his voice. If it be you, bid me come to you. And Jesus says, come. Peter got out of the boat, put his feet on the water, and started walking on the water. Dr. Sexton says the boisterous waves came rolling, and Peter took his eyes off Christ. Immediately, what happens? He starts to sink. Doesn't say he went under, he started to sink. I said, Lord, save me. Lord Jesus reached out his hand and immediately pulled him from the angry waves and brought him safely on board. And as I said, he said, you have a little faith. Peter had a little faith, but the other guys, like I said, were still in the boat. None of the rest of them said, well, let me come, let me come to you too, Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, even though Peter's faith was small, the Lord said, but uh, he had, probably had a little more than the other guys did. But you know, Peter was a little brash. So... You may think, my storm has been going on for a long time. Maybe you have already guessed what watch of the night you're in. God has not deserted his children. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, her storm lasted 12 years. Long time. There are people whose storms last a lifetime. But you know, everything, the wind, the waves, the dark, everything that made them fearful, Jesus conquered. He came, everything was all right. Everything was okay. Everything that scared them, Jesus took care of. He says, as we think about our Savior coming to us, what are we most thrilled with, his power or his love? Can we separate the two? What thrills Dr. Sexton is what thrills my soul most is not that he can put the storm under his feet. What thrills my soul most is that he loves me enough to come to my aid. Someone may say, you cannot measure his power. He is an omnipotent God. He said, I agree. We can't measure his power. We really can't measure his love either. You know, all we can do is guess at what kind of love it took for him to give up his son, what kind of love it took for the son to say, I'll do it. He considered it joy. And no one drug him kicking and screaming to come to earth. He, he considered it joy to do that. Well, let me tell you what. I think there are people who hear the message and hear the message of a loving God and, and, and a Savior and a place in heaven. And there are people who say, I want to go there and be with Him. I think there are more people who say, I've heard of this place called hell and I don't want to go there. You know, Jesus came to give us a lifetime with him if we choose that. But 
He didn't come to give us the home in heaven. He came to keep us out of hell. There would have been a home in heaven if we were in hell. What good that would have done to us. But, but I believe that there are people both who do that, who hear of Jesus' love. They want to be with him, but I think there are far more people who hear. I know Pastor Irby said when he was a young man, he said, I heard about hell and I knew one thing. I did not want to go there. You know, and Pastor, uh, uh, Dr. Justin Cooper said one time, he said, people say there's nothing good about hell. And he said, yes, there is. You don't have to go there. He said, that's the one good thing about hell. You're not bound for there. You have a way of escaping that. And Jesus Christ is the way. He's the only way. But to your point, I think, brother, there are people who, who do love Christ, hear the message, and want to just want to be with him. But I think far more people say, yes, I don't. I've heard of this. You know, Jesus preached more on hell than he did on heaven. There was a reason for that. Hell is a place to shun. And heaven is a place to be desired to go to, to be with him forever. So, yes, but I think there are people who, who, uh, who hear that, hear the message of Christ's love and, and want to be with him. But I think there are far more people who do <laughs> come to the Lord because they don't want to go to hell. Joe, do you think that, I, well, I think this, that you may accept Christ because you don't want to go to hell, but you don't want to go Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think every one of us, if, we could, if you could think of what we, how we feel now and whatever reason we first had to, to, uh, to uh, become Christians, to follow Jesus. As you go along in your walk, that fear of hell, well, that fear of hell, if you've accepted Christ, you don't need to fear hell anymore. So what have you got to look forward to? The love of Christ and being with Him. So I believe, as Debbie said, even though we might do that to escape hell, as we go along in our Christian walk, it's more that we love Him, we understand what He's done for us, and we want to be with Him. So, yeah, we might, we might, and there's no, there's no, if you're doing that to escape hell, amen, brother. Hell is a place to shun. And if, if you do uh, hear the, the, the love of Christ and you want to be with Him, and that's why you come to the Lord, then amen to that too. The idea is that we come realizing that we cannot save ourselves, realizing that we need a Savior. And, you know, we not only need a Savior, we need the light of the world. We need the, in the, in the eternal heaven, Christ is going to be the light. We're not going to need us. We're going to need, we need Him. You know, we, we think that we're not, you know, well, when we get to heaven, everything's going to be great. Well, it is. But we're still going to need Him. We need Him whether we have glorified bodies or whether in the, we still need Him. We still need Him. And He desires that we come to Him. You know, He doesn't, He, 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 he loves the fact that His children come to Him. Now, He's not always going to tell us yes. You know, at times we think, well, Lord, I know you're able to do this. You spoke the world into existence. Why don't you come and intervene? Why don't you do it now? 
He has his own good time that he does things in. In his time, he will come to our aid. You know, in this miracle, we see that the storm came, the Savior came, the stillness came, the wind was boisterous and contrary. The word of God says, Christ spoke to his disciples. Now in John 6, 20 and 21, the Bible says, But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land where they went. Now they were in the middle, and immediately they were at the shore. Now, you know, we... we we uh, tend to think that in Christ's glorified body that, well, he appeared in the midst of them with a locked door. Well, I want to tell you something. He could have appeared <laughs> in the midst of a locked room before he was glorified, before he had that glorified body. He was God. He could do anything. Amen. So, yeah, now, we're going to be able to do some of those things in that glorified body that we have. We're going to be like him. But we, sometimes we lose, the, we lose sight of, well, when he was in that glorified body, he could walk through walls. Let me tell you what, he could have done that. If you can walk on water, you can walk through walls. And I said before, when, when the devil tempted him to throw himself off the temple, if you can walk on water, you can walk on air. He could walk down. That would have been showing the devil, well, you, 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 you challenged me, and, I, and I, I took the challenge. He came back with him at, with Scripture. That's, we can do that. So the stillness came. He says, now, I'm not really, he says, I'm not sure I understand everything that's said at the 21st verse. He was immediately, Jesus took them from the middle to the end like that. Uh, we don't know how close Jesus was to Peter when Peter started to sink, but we know this immediately. Jesus was there and reached his hand out. Now, if he was close enough to reach his hand out, wouldn't you think Peter would have had his eyes on Jesus? So he might have been some distance from him, but we're not really told that. But We just know that immediately Christ was there. You know, he didn't come, he, he came when he needed him to be there, not when he wanted him to be there. So many times we want Christ to intervene in our time. He intervenes in his time, and it's always the right time. He says, he came to them in the middle of the sea. Immediately they were at their destination. Dr. Sexton said, I understand from this that when the Lord Jesus arrives... All they needed to get to the other side was him. They didn't need to row any. They didn't need to put up uh, sails anymore. They just needed him. Notice the calm, the stillness. The Bible says in Mark six fifty one, and he went up into the ship, uh, unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. They should not have been sore amazed, and beyond they, they should have realized by now who he was. They were still learning. They'd just seen him feed 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children. Now, we don't know how many people he fed. The Bible says, but we know it was at least 5,000, and, and it said besides women and children. So, 
The Bible says in Matthew 14, 31 through 32, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Until the next time they doubted. He brought them along. And they, oh, you're the son of God. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't know you could do that. Didn't know you could come back from the dead. Nobody can do that. Well, you can't say nobody. The storm came, the Savior came, the stillness came. So not only was the storm stilled, their hearts were stilled. They had peace in the midst of the storm. Dr. Sexton says, this is a great lesson in this miracle. The lesson is that nothing is too great for Christ to conquer, and when He comes, all is well. He knows what we need, knows when we need it. Um, he knew that they needed a storm on the way over. He allowed the storm. He went to them in fourth watch of the night in the midst of the sea, and He proved to them again that He was God. He, he keeps showing them that He's God. <laughs> And they can, oh, yeah, we, we believe you for a little bit. And then, then, you know, a lot of times we get the cares of life that get, get to us and, and we uh, sometimes doubt, but uh, there's no reason to doubt him. No reason to doubt him whatsoever. Let's go to our workbooks Monday. What do we learn in Mark 6, 52 about the hearts of these disciples? What did it say? There? Their hearts were hardened. They, they, didn't really, they didn't really think that he could uh, do some of these things. They, they forgot the miracles. Tuesday, according to Matthew 14, 22, why did the disciples get into a ship and set out across the Sea of Galilee? What did they actually get in there for? Jesus told them to. So I give them good marks for that. He, they did what he told them. Everything else just started going downhill from there. Wednesday, Isaiah 30, 18 says, teaches us that the Lord waits for what reason? Yeah, and that he might be gracious to us, and he will be gracious to us. He's going to be gracious on his time and his terms. Thursday, read Mark 6, 47 through 50. In what way did the Lord Jesus approach the disciples, and what was their reaction? What way did he get to them? Walking on the water. <laughs> what was their reaction? Yeah, they're afraid. Yeah, they were afraid. Friday, Romans 8, 35 through 39, Romans 8, 35 through 39. What must we never doubt even in the midst of a great storm of life? What? He's still in control and we never, should never doubt his love. He, 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 he is never going to quit loving us. Saturday, according to Mark 6, 51, what happened when Christ went unto them in the ship? Yeah. And, and the, the wind ceased, and we're told in the other account, they worshipped him. They knew that he was, was God. They, 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 their, their faith was bolstered just a little. Uh, our next lesson is three, great faith in an unexpected place. Get you to thinking, great faith in an unexpected place. Brother Billy, would you dismiss this place?
Thank you, folks.